Hey everyone, this is Nate Scott, and this is the For the Win Podcast, your home to everything that's buzzing in the world of sports. My guest today is a staff writer at The Ringer. Uh, he's also an American Ninja Warrior. It's Micah Peters. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, it's been a minute. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk to you today, uh, well, first to talk about your appearance on American Ninja Warrior, which I, I'm just so excited about. <laughs> I was so, I've never, honestly, like... I've been proud of you before, and we've worked together, and you've written some amazing things. I don't think I've ever been more proud of you than when you were, than you <laughs> owned it on American Ninja Warrior. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little Manu, and then we're going to talk a little Frank Ocean. Uh, so starting, uh, The Ringer, how did this happen? How did The Ringer, how did you guys get to American Ninja Warrior? Man, I... I haven't the foggiest. I don't want to. I don't like. I don't want to say one thing and then be a liar. All I know is that uh, our editor in chief, Sean Fennessy, was just like, "Hey, we need three volunteers to run the American Ninja Warrior course next Friday. Who's down?" And I was just like, "Oh, I'll do that. Sure." That's amazing. Yeah. I uh, for those who didn't see it, they did a Facebook live on the Ringer and. Michael went first. You can watch it on Facebook. It's like uh, longer than it should have been because you 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 owned it, man. I have you noticed this? Because honestly, this happened with me. I I knew you on the internet first, and then we met. You're much more athletic than for, for whatever reason I thought, or I guess a lot of people think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like I think that well, when I first started working at for the well, when I first came into the office and everybody saw me in person for the first time, they're just like, oh, wait, you're taller than I thought you were. <laughs> or, you know, like all this other stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I kind of used to play soccer at a high level and whatnot and basketball too and all this other stuff. But like, so they were just like, we were having bets around the office and they were just like, you know, I don't know, Micah might come in like second, maybe, you know. Wow. But... Yeah, so when we stepped up to the course, the guy that was running it was just like, you know, all right, who's going first? We rock, paper, scissors for it. That was taking too long. So we said, I'm thinking of a number. And I picked the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, all right, so you're going first. And didn't really give me any instructions besides don't stop running and grab the ropes high. So I was just like, okay, cool. I'll just feel it out then on the way down. Dude, you d I mean – it, what did you have like a game plan going in? Have you, you've watched the show before? I've watched the show once or twice, maybe I don't know. Like there was because there was a story about uh, what was that lady? The oh yeah, I remember um, that. She, yeah, she yeah, yeah. killed it. I forget her name as well. Yeah, but I mean, like, and I was just like, all right, well, there's people that train for you know a whole year to do this stuff, so I guess I'm just gonna go out there and try not to embarrass myself and. Fear of embarrassment is like a powerful motivator. Yeah. So to be honest, when I saw you line up and I saw the first obstacle, I was like, "Oh God, he's gonna miss his first step and he's gonna go in the water." And even and even the ringer, I forget who was announcing, but they were like, "We give him eight seconds or something like that." <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Anyway, everyone, go watch it. Um, and I guess watch American. Actually, no, I'm not gonna plug their show. Yeah, they can advertise. Just watch it to see me hop out of the water and scream, "It's a knife!" That yes. was that was good. That was really good. <laughs> I was very. I've never been more proud. I was like, I was standing and cheering. <laughs> anyway, uh, wanted to talk to you, uh, really about Frank Ocean, but we should discuss Manchester United because you're a Man U fan. They, I think, are the most interesting story in the Premier League this year. 
won their first two matches against Bournemouth and Southampton and looked extremely good doing it. Uh, first off, how are you enjoying the Mourinho era? I like the well I'm in, I'm thoroughly enjoying the Mourinho era because he's doing all the right things. I mean like he's sh- shipping out, you know, the <laughs> the I don't want to say garbage. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, and I mean, like in sending the the actual talent like out on loan, and as soon as he drops Rooney from Mkhitaryan, I think that you know, like that'll cement that we will that we're actually a top three contender. Um, Quickly before we do that, you're, yeah, you're, you're, is it Mc? It's it's Mkhitaryan, right? How do you pronounce? I think it? it's I think I think that the actual you know. Proper pronunciation is probably Miktaryan. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you're listening uh, to like a broadcast on NBC Sports or whatever, like they're gonna, or if you're playing on FIFA, they're gonna call him Miktaryan. So that's my favorite is when British announcers do that. They're just like, you know what? We're just this is the way we're pronouncing this, and the rest <laughs> of the world is gonna have to adapt, and it's just completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Anyway, that was sort of my next question. Uh, which was. I've been interested to see how, even in the first few matches, Mourinho has basically taken the lineup from last year and just one at a time he brings in his guys. Um, So, like, game one, Ibrahimovic, Rashford makes way. Game two, Pogba comes in. uh, Who who made way? Carrick. Carrick Carrick goes down. Uh, Game three, I think... Mkhitaryan has to come in. For those who don't know, he signed from Borussia Dortmund, in which he had, like... 37 assists last year and 16 goals some some ungodly season he just had and yeah, he's a really he's a fantastic spark plug yeah um my question is does mata or rooney make way um in an idea like in a perfectly ordered universe rooney yeah. makes way mm-hmm. um but i mean Mata's going to get left out in the freezing cold again i can feel it especially when when they were talking about when well rooney put up that high-flung cross against Bournemouth and, like, Ibrahimovic climbed to the top of the mountain to head yeah. it into the near post. You know, like, the, the announcers were already talking about this is this is the start of a long and fruitful relationship between Rooney and Ibrahimovic. And it's just, like, I can already feel, like, it's every time that Rooney does a thing, you just get the sense that everything's going to be dumb from now on. Because it's yeah. just, like, he's not as... It's he's just not as good as he used to be, and nobody wants to say so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's good for him this year is that Pogba is sort of like the band aid that covers all the. You know, he he covers yeah. so much ground, and he's so good that Rooney can sort of play that weird little number ten role where he doesn't really have to defend, and he doesn't have to work too hard to get in the six, and he can kind of just exist in that space between midfield and the eighteen that he loves. Um, and so Pogba sort of allows Rooney to be the best version of himself. I'm just not convinced that that's better than Mkhitaryan or, or, or Mata at this point. I, I just, but I also love Mata and I, I don't know. I understand why some, some managers, you know, he, he is kind of, uh, he can be streaky. He is sort of a a one trick pony in some regards. Um, I just love how creative he is. So I don't know. I, I think it might be sort of. The if you're asking <laughs> my my personal like yeah I mean like if you're asking my personal preference about like you know one to one 
would I prefer if Mata or Rudy got dropped? I'm taking Mata like 11 times out of 10. Yeah. yeah. But, um, the, yeah, I mean, like the, in the when Mikita Yan was subbed on towards the end of the Bournemouth match, it was like he created three chances almost like right away. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, why wasn't he in here from the beginning? Because the thing is that Bournemouth played us super evenly for like all, over half an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was, and I mean, like, it was a two, like, we won, uh, it was a two goal win and everything, but still, like, it was kind of unconvincing. But, like, with all the dazzle from Ibrahimovic and Pogba, like, shielding people and turning things that shouldn't have been uh attacks into attacks just by you know like being able to shield and turn and play the ball off into the right areas is like kind of like papering over cracks mm. but you know like it's very good looking paper <laughs> yeah i mean what i love about mikitarian and i think this is true of mata as well is you know man you last year under van hall my my big problem with them was and, and this is partly a, a result of their of their the the philosophy of van hall but also it was just so plotting and kind of, all right, Rooney gets it. He he shields the ball for a second. He plays it back to Fellaini. Fellaini plays it to the outside back. They lump it into the box, cleared out. You know, it was just... Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, Rooney can still sort of fall into that. He loves, you know, he'll turn, he'll start pretend to be a center midfielder and he'll do the thing where he turns and plays the ball square and, and nothing ever really yeah. happens. Um which was why Rashford was so such a revelation last year because he was one of the few guys along with Martial who's like I want to go. Like let's go. Like let's <laughs> let's go. Like let's make something yeah. happen. And you saw when Mikita Aryan came in, all of a sudden the exact same thing. When when he's going, when Martial's going, when Mata's going, when Pogba's going, when Ibra's trying to get in, all of a sudden it's like they're forcing the issue. Um and that's why, you know, I think Fellaini can kind of survive in this team just because he can just sort of be a big lumbering body for for Mourinho, but I think he might also be the next one to sort of make way because you know the 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 Mourinho teams are at their best when the defense is super strong. He's got a couple of uh, holding midfielders who can plug up you know problems, and then everyone else just wants to create, and and that's when his yeah. teams are best. I mean, like Fellaini's definitely gonna. I mean, because when you think about it, they have there's Pogba. Ander Herrera, Morgan Schneiderlin, Carrick. Yep. Blind, um, blind, I guess, sort of. Sort of, but he's more of like a center back these days. Yeah. Like, and those, it's like five players vying for two spots. And on top of that, there's Schwarzenegger, but I get a feeling that he's just going to be watching games from the stands. Hey, or man. The... LA Galaxy's newest players. Come on. <laughs> or LAFC, yeah. something. Schweinsteiger and MLS next year. Book it. Heard it here first. Yeah. And I mean, like that's. I think that that's to 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 loop back to your question about whether or not I'm enjoying the Mourinho era. The fact that he made me like not think that Fellaini was insufferable yeah. for like I don't know, like seventy five minutes. Yeah, like consecutively was is is a testament to the Mourinho era in itself. Like. Well, it's, you know, that's why he went and bought Pogba for a bazillion dollars. And that's, you know, I think he could sort of identify, 
there's one guy in the world right now who's going to make every all our problems go away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like it's the the 23 year old who can run 10 miles a game and is one of the five best pl- players on earth. You know, like of course that's who you go and get because there's no one like him, and he and he can sort of make you know anyone who can make Fellaini and Rooney look this good is a miracle worker, and and that's what that's what Pogba is, and it's yeah. I mean, that's why you do it. And, you know, Ibrahimovic is, is, he's the, he's a solution. He's, I don't, like, I don't know. That's, I guess, my next question. So, you know, they bring in Ibra. He is what he is. He's unbelievable. Three goals in three games, uh, just doing sort of what he does. Are you worried that what Man United was building with this youth movement, Rashford, Timothy Fosu Mensa, this whole group of guys, are you worried that uh, the their future is now just being cast aside because Mourinho needs to win now? Um, I think about that, but I definitely think <laughs> that my my judgment is is one thousand percent clouded by the fact that I mean Ibrahimovic is one of my two favorite players. Yes. Um. So I definitely think that colors my perception on it, but. Yeah. Yes, I think that um, being able to build for the future or having or giving Rashford enough quarter to grow as a player because when you think about it, like Rashford just happened to get into the right spaces like last season when he you know was scoring against uh, I can't even remember the games now. I'm pretty sure yeah. I blacked out when I was watching them, but. <laughs> uh, it kind of like, you know, it could have been a fluke. It could have not been a fluke. But like this season, we were supposed to figure out, you know, the truth of that. And I still think that him or Martial could be playing in the hole behind Ibrahimovic. But that means you're going to have to bump another one of those. It's There's too many options, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's what's, and that's what's so interesting about this team. You know, I think with Mourinho, I guess that the counter argument is, hey, we got lucky with Rashford last year. I'm I'm not entirely convinced he's a world talent, you know. I think he's he's a, an excellent striker. Um but he also he gets tunnel vision. Um you know, he he just sort of runs in a straight line. He'll he'll finish if he's given the opportunities and he got in the 6 which last year no one on Man United other than Martial was willing to do. So he was getting goals I think solely just because you know, Man United had, had creative players and they were waiting for Fellaini to get in the six because no one else was doing it. And so, yeah. you know, Rashford, I think, right place, right time. And for Mourinho, it's like, all right, yeah, we can keep him around and, and see what he does. But at the same time, I know world talents and this kid isn't going to be one. And so let's let's cash out now while we can. That yeah. being said, I don't know. I, I kind of got excited last year watching Man United towards the, the second half of the season because it was like, Oh man, these guys they're doing it. They're all 18 to 23 years old and in 5 years this is going to be the best team in the world. They just got to, you know, they just got to foster it along and then Mourinho was like, "Nah. <laughs> We're going to be good now and other people are going to deal with that that whole development thing." Yeah. Um yeah, I mean like it's it's difficult. I mean because all of the things, the narratives that we enjoyed from last season are getting pushed to the margins and we're getting better soccer as a result. But at the same time, you know, you got to weigh which one it is you want more. Like, you know, yeah. because when you think about it, I mean, Ibrahimovic is 34, will be 35 in October. 
like I mean, like he might have one or two seasons at Old Trafford, and then we're back to square one. Kind of like we're gonna have a blunt tip to the spear again. Yeah, and so. and I mean, Mourinho will probably be on his way out. <laughs> That's what he does. He comes, and I mean, I don't know. I I I've been so impressed with him. I've been so impressed with this team. I picked Man City to win the league, and after I know, I mean, it's a long league. I'm still gonna stay with my pick. Um, I picked United to finish second. And now I I kind of want to flip that, but whatever. Let's let's talk about Frank Ocean. But first, have to tell you guys about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, which proudly supports the For the Win podcast. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century, fast, powerful, and completely online. Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get improved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process they can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com FTW. Again, it's quickenloans.com FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, Frank Ocean. You wrote about it for The Ringer. Um, you, got yes. out, you got out quick on it, and I'm, I'm so glad you did. Uh, for those who don't know, Frank Ocean has released uh, two albums and a magazine in the last two weeks after not releasing anything forever. Um, which I know was keeping Micah up at night. Um, and uh, the first was sort of a long video, uh, music video of him building a staircase, which, uh, depending on who you believe, might have been his way of getting out of a contract with, I believe it was Universal? Um, uh, Def Jam. Def Jam. Yeah. Um, he then quickly released uh, Blonde, which is the album I want to talk about, you know, uh, what was the other one called? The, the endless, 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 which is, uh, interesting and, and very good. Like if you're doing work, throw it on. It's very interesting, but uh, I don't know. Blonde's the album. I'm right. Am I dismissing endless too quickly? I mean, endless. I mean, like you forget, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that endless is like just a placeholder. I think that the, I guess the narrative is more plain in uh in endless because it's just like the loneliness of growing up, which is like what I th- I mean basically that was my stab in the dark at what was going on because yeah. I was trying to make sense of it. Um but I mean building a staircase and then building a staircase to heaven, which is like I think the that's what Tom Sachs said he was doing. Yeah. Um, or you could look at is, it the other way that he's just building a staircase to a ceiling that ends. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to look at it more bleakly, yeah, um, it's kind of yeah. I mean, like because the the way the video ends is that it just kind of like cuts out and he's just back to sitting on the workbench by himself. Like, you know, maybe it's kind of like a very maybe everything is hopeless kind of yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah. uh, ending to it, which is kind of dark. Yes, but. It is what it is, you know? I, I, I'm i with you. Uh, I think it also resulted in my favorite tweet of the last year, which is 
some guy being like, this was like eight months ago. I don't know if you saw this tweet. They was like, I'm oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at a bar and some dude's telling me that he's teaching Frank Ocean how to build a staircase for a music video. And everyone's like, ha ha. Of course, some idiot in a bar will tell you that. And you're like, all right, man, you know, and totally ignore him. And then that dude was totally teaching Frank Ocean how to build a staircase for a music video. Anyway, um, Blonde. I want to talk about Blonde. You wrote about it for The Ringer uh, in an article here in my car. Understanding Frank Ocean's love affair with the automobile. I'm so happy you wrote about this. Um, I was actually talking about it with my friend Ben last night at, at length. Um, and what I was talking about was what I love about this album is that it, it kind of carves out a space, and, and you identified that as sort of like behind behind the wheel of a car. Like that, like it's got a very like defined. Like, listening to this, you're like, oh, okay, I know how this is supposed to be listened to. I know where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing while I listen to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, like, it's, like, uh, I think <clears throat> that, when you think about it, when we're talking about how it felt like forever since the last time that Frank Ocean put out, like, a like a body of work. Yeah. But four years isn't, a, isn't an unusually long hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... So when he comes back and then he has this, even so like on that Friday when Endless came out, it was a 45-minute music video. That still wasn't the album. And then the Nikes video came out and then the album came out with the magazine. It's just like he's, it's very much an, a packaged audiovisual experience that is designed to be listened to and consumed the way that he designed and mm-hmm. wanted you to consume it. So if the album was made primarily in and around cars um Mm -hmm. then it makes sense that it would be perfect for driving i mean because i mean for any number of reasons yeah Um, and and what i like so much you know my favorite albums recently at least in the r&b genre have sort of basically staked their their turf on like a very specific space and time like the weekend's first um mixtape house of balloons he was basically like uh a luxury hotel at three thirty-five in the morning after the club's closed and you're back there with a girl you don't know very well like that's my time <laughs> like like <laughs> that's me like the drugs are out um and you're and you're waking up and the hangover's creeping in but you don't want to go to sleep like that's the weekend's time and place you know like this is my this is my turf all my songs are going to be coming from this area. And even if you have never experienced it, that, you know, because like how many of us have been in the Ritz at four in the morning with a, you know, with a supermodel, um, you could sort of be like, okay, I, I know I, I, I can go there with him and I can understand that feeling of like, this is like cool and sexy, but also like dark and, and maybe really lonely and, and despair ridden. And with Frank, you know, he basically said like, Hey, you're on the Pacific Coast Highway. Um, you haven't talked to your friends in a few days. You're kind of figuring stuff out, and the sun's setting, and you're in a BMW. Like that's that's his time and space, and he and he sort of carved that out in in such a really really cool way in an album that's like not not easy. You know, it's not like not a ton it's of. It's not hooks. immediate. Yeah, it's yeah. not immediate. You definitely have to sit with it and and. You have to parse your feelings about it, and you feel a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like it's difficult. It's a difficult album. And that's, I mean, that's what I love so much about it is every time I listen, a new song comes out. 
you know, like first time I went through, it was like, oh, Nikes and, and Solo and the Solo reprise. Like, that's it. You know, the Andre verse on the Solo reprise. It was like, okay, yeah. that's it. Then the next time it was like, ooh, White Ferrari. Okay. My favorite song right now, or the one that I was listening to uh, at two a.m. on repeat. <laughs> I, I saw I saw your Snapchat, man, which is why I wanted it. This is why I wanted to do this. Is Siegfried? Yes, uh, with the with the Elliot Smith like homage yes. in the middle of it, which is just like Elliot Smith stabbed himself in the heart, which isn't really a thing that you hear about a lot. When talk when you when you like hear about suicides because that is one of the most painful ways to go. Like, listen, man, I was a big Elliot Smith guy in high school. I had long hair and and <laughs> you know wrote wrote poetry in a mead journal. Don't have to tell me about Elliot Smith. Um, yeah, Siegfried's incredible. Yeah, um, uh, but that's the thing with this album. Every time you listen, it's like a new song will kind of grab you. None, none of these are gonna like work as a three minute pop song on the radio. None, none of them. Yeah. Like I was even kind of like a fun thing to do. Like when I'm going through an album is just like where, which one of these songs when I'm out next, am I going to be hearing over the speakers at like a bar or something? There are none of those on this album. And the funny thing is he could have done it. If he had taken solo and he put the Andre verse in solo, as in like it was just one song and made it four minutes long that i think could make it as a radio hit he didn't do that he did a meandering four and a half minute kind of version of it and then he brought the song back later and had the andre verse um and then had a weird outro on that um so it was it's just such like a it's like you gotta like it's just kind of like he's grabbing you and making you sit down just like and no pay attention to this it is and, and what i also like about it is it demands parsing and he doesn't make it easy for you um you know my other favorite album of this year was lemonade by beyonce and beyonce you know part of what i loved about that album was the narrative was so incredibly clear um each guest first was sort of clearly marked and explained and you knew exactly what she was doing you know like as, as someone who has to parse through a lot of music with Beyonce, it's like, oh, wow, okay, this is a play in four acts. She, you know, she discovers her like her lover's cheating on him, uh, on her. She confronts him. She confronts her own history and the, and the path that she did, and then she forgives him. And everything is so clear and, and concise, and it's like, it's almost like opera, you know, like you can sort of follow yeah. the plot. This is not that. This is like, <laughs> this is like a dude handing you a like 300 page journal with drawings and photographs and, and little notes and lyrics he had heard somewhere and being like, this is me and, and good luck. You know, yeah. I'm not going to make this, I'm not going to clearly make this a narrative for you to, to work through. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, like, I think that this is the out, al- the album that came from, okay. So on Frank Ocean's Tumblr page. Yes. <laughs> Which I which I this is why I need you. This is why I need you because I I, I, <laughs> I don't do the, the the heavy lifting here. Um, you know, like he had an open ass box, and so like somebody said, I think that this was a little while after Channel Orange came out. Asked him a simple question, a very like you know unassuming one. Hey Frank, how are you doing today? And he said, 
like I'm balancing an anvil on the top of my head. Yeah. And so it's just like all of that, um, I guess the pressures of being number one, you know, young and black in America, which is, you know, stressful in and of itself, then also being maybe gay, maybe yeah. bi. Yeah. Um, and then just being wanting to be left alone to create in peace, I guess. Yeah. It's it's a stunning and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, this is a um, it's a it's a queer album without uh, being really political in any way. It's just sort of saying like this is this is it. This is this is who I am, you know, and I, I'm not going to make this easy for you. Um, even the, the title, you know, Blonde and Blonde, he spells it in both ways, depending on sort of where it is. Blonde with an E is the female version of the word. Blonde without is the male version of the word. And he's not even going to give you that. You know, he's not even going to make a, a definitive statement on which spelling of the word he's using because he he's just not going to make it that easy for you. Yeah. Um, I think the only, like, going back through the album, I feel like the only unmixed message was the line in Nike's about Trayvon Martin, which yeah. I'm still thinking about right now. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's... It's a, it's a really gorgeous thing, and and, and it's so uh, interesting. Also, I could talk about this album forever, but his his a uh, his affiliation with Odd Future Wolfgang, Kill Them All, and 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 that world, which is so immediate and so aggressive and so uh, now 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 and here's something new, here's something new, you know, Tyler, the creator, his, his name is not an accident. The dude just creates and <laughs> it's some of it's good and some of it's bad and some of it's messy and some of it doesn't make any sense, but he's just going to, he's, he's sort of creating and creating and creating. And when I was listening to this album, I couldn't help but think back to that, um, music video, that unbelievable music video with, uh, with odd future. Um, what's the song called? Oldie. Oldie. Where yeah. All the members of Odd Future are there, and it's it's a it's a photo shoot with that weirdo photographer uh, Terry, Terry Richardson. Terry Richardson, yeah. and he loses control. It's an amazing music video. It starts as like a photo shoot, and then the music starts playing, and they just turn it into a music video. And, and they're just a, like, we're gonna we're just gonna have a cipher. Everybody yeah. rap. And, and 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 Terry Richardson's like, please stop. <laughs> like we need to do this photo shoot, and they're like, no man, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't help but think of, you know, there's that moment where they're all going nuts and Earl's rapping, everyone's jumping up and down. And Frank is just sipping an iced coffee, just sort of taking it all in, you know, and he's yeah. sort of hanging back. And I, I when when he released this album, I just kept thinking back to that it was like, this is a guy who's literally just observing everything and just taking it in, you know, and just and taking it in and taking it in and then and then being so careful about it. Um and then when he goes, you know, when he does finally have his moment with the, in that music video, everyone goes silent and everyone's looking at him. You know, like all the ADD calms down and it's so clear how much they look up to him. It's just, I don't know. It's so cool. I'm all in. I love it. Yeah. It's, you know, blessed be the, as Justin Charity said, uh, when uh, him and Victor Luckerson, these two guys that I write with, um, were discussing you know, exactly what Frank Ocean owed his fans. <laughs> Charity probably said it best. He was just like, 
Blessed be the 28-year-old that hasn't been forced into putting out bricks in the yeah. in the intervening time. I know, and I mean, he he's not gonna do it, and and the way he released it was was interesting, you know, and and especially this year, I think with the way that Beyonce and Rihanna and and Kanye all released their their works and in each their own like sort of special way you know beyonce had everyone sign non-disclosure agreements and release it at the perfect time with an hbo special like like you know on clockwork rihanna just sort of leaked hers kanye put out an unfinished album and then was like i reserve the right to change this as many times as i want and i don't care (laughs) um and then frank did this sort of a mysterious strange uh internet slash print slash you know kind of way of of sort of presenting his total vision and i just think it's it's cool that's all i got anything else what what do you got what are you working on that that's coming up that you're that you're thinking about um right now i'm just you know melting my brain to the new young thug album that well not album it's you know especially branded as a mixtape but it's album quality jeffrey yeah my Um, my name is actually jeffrey (laughs) <laughs> yeah and what a fantastic rebrand i mean just, just i mean who do you know who do you know who could what rapper do you know that could wear a dress on their album cover and just have it be cool you know like your fave could literally never except it's, for the fact that like there was it's very andre 3000 i was gonna and, say him and andre are the only two in in history who could do it yeah yeah and it's it's just I love it so much. There's a song on there called Harambe, and I'm oh. surprised that the internet still exists after it. Oh my god, I gotta, I gotta, I have to, I gotta get into it. <laughs> no, my name Please is Jeffrey. So much I know. Earliest convenience. That might be that might be on my docket for this afternoon. I've just been blonde has been taking over my life, and I've just been listening <laughs> to it over and over again. But Thugger deserves my attention. Anyway, Micah Man, uh, you're on Twitter. What's your what's your handle again? It's just at Micah Peters with the underscore because the regular at Micah Peters that hasn't used Twitter since 2009 is still hoarding the handle. Um, I'm dealing with the same thing with Nate Scott. Yeah, it's just you know like just let me be great, you know. <laughs> Come on, other Micah Peters, let him be great. <laughs> Otherwise, check out his stuff on The Ringer. This is the For the Wood podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. Like us, review us, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Micah, man, awesome talking to you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, man. Take it easy.